Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 33 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. I'm going to go off script here. S2 Cognition, bottom line. They are measuring cognitive function in baseball, particularly for hitters. And it doesn't matter how good your swing is, how athletic you are, exit velos, bat speed. None of it matters if you make bad decisions at home plate. You've got to swing at the strikes and take the balls. And S2 Cognition has an assessment where you or your son or your daughter can get some measurements on how good am I at making decisions when it comes to the moment of truth in baseball or softball. Um, get the information. It, you know, once you know, then you can do something about it. Knowledge is power. And and speaking of knowledgeable and powerful people, I am joined by the great Joe Healy. Um, you know, like a like a five star recruit when it comes to brain power. How are you, Jose? I'm doing well, Runes. Yeah, the, uh, the the swinging at strikes and taking balls is really really important unless you are have the raw power of Jack Caglione or the back-to-ball skills of J.J. Weatherhold, at which point you can swing at whatever. It's fine. That's right. But those, those are two guys that they'll chase a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. Like, they're oh. just – they're going to figure it out. Can you – so Jack Caglione, correct me if I'm wrong, he had 33 home runs this year? 34? Correct, yes. 33. If Jack Caglione actually swings at strikes and takes balls – like, what is possible? Is 50 possible? Because, by the way, Jack Caglione, as much as we love Jack Tani, he's swinging at any white object coming at him. Like, it, there is there is no take on 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 his menu. Yeah, it's it, it, truly it's hard to put a ceiling on what he could do from a power perspective next year if, if that just gets even marginally better. It's I mean, it's look, I mean, we, we'll talk about you and I are going to do a podcast with David Seifert here soon where we talk about some of this stuff. But, you know it's it's inc- the ball just comes off his bat differently i know it's a cliche but it's absolutely true i was talking with some of the team usa coaches the other day and that's more or less what they said is like it's there's a lot of guys who can run the ball out of the yard for the collegiate national team but he's just a cut above everybody else in that regard and it's still the practice day in omaha before the thursday before things got started his was the most impressive batting practice round i saw i mean it was it was line drives over the bleachers in right center, you know, like n- not these towering moon shots. It was just absolute squared up line drives that just kept going. It just an incredible, incredible BP. And, you know, when I saw him playing against Chinese Taipei and Japan with the collegiate national team, cause they were here in my backyard, it, that's, you know, you saw that the other side of it, which is there were also some kind of ugly swings, but man, when he barrels a ball up, there's just nobody else in college baseball like it. No, 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 there's no question. He is an anomaly in every way. So, uh, Joe, um, as they say in the Northeast, we have an agenda for this call. We have a full-blown agenda. Um, So we're going to talk about some of your Cape Cod observations. You and the great Mrs. Healy were up in the Cape for a while, or on the Cape, I should say. We're going to do a – you guys have this really cool thing on SEC Extra called Transfer Portal Updates um, that are, you know, I would say marquee names that are moving around in our game. Then we will we will finish um, with the, you guys have another cool series on SEC Extra called SEC Season Review. You're going team by team. So I want to quiz you on that today. Today is Wednesday. My piece on um, the whole concept of what if we tweak our postseason? What if we go field of 72 with 32 hosts dropped on the website? And, and so the action on Twitter has been great. I wish it was more positive than negative, but I love the action. I want the action. Here's the only two requests I have. Please read the piece. If only thing you're reacting to is the headline on Twitter, not helpful. I need you to read the piece 
so that you can give me real feedback on the real blood and guts of the of the field of 72. So that's number one. Um, and, and number two, tell me why you do or don't like it. Uh, as you pointed out, Joe, what was your favorite response today? Just the, the, uh, the response of terrible idea. That's all that that's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Not in any way helpful, not helpful at all. Oh, everybody's a critic. Oh gosh. That's actually non-feedback. It's, it's so yeah. not helpful. I have to discard it. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The only thing that would have been worse is if that person had been a little bit meaner about it, like terrible yeah. idea, you're an idiot, right? I mean, that's yeah, the only yeah. thing that could have been less helpful. Yeah. There was one of, uh, there was one like that, like I, somebody, some commenter put, like it was really, really crass and profane. He put like, God effing, you know, stop us. No, like it was just like, it was just all cuss words. Just what it was a fancy cussy way of saying no. And I was like, well, okay, that's, I just, I'm looking for feedback. I, I'm not, no one's saying it's a perfect idea. I, I want smart people thinking about this. It does. So. Uh, it does. It, it is interesting that I understand there's vitriol sometimes when you write something that has a critique of a team or a player or something in it. I understand, but the stakes are pretty low on this. Like it's a hypothetical. <laughs> it's a make-believe. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a hypothetical NCAA tournament format. The whole, the whole idea of which is you put out there just to be like, look, here's an alternative. Isn't this kind of fun? And like, yeah. there's so many people out there that are just like, no, this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, yeah. you know, okay. You know, if, you don't have to like it, but like, at least just think this is, you should at least think this is a cool exercise that Mike Rooney put a lot of effort into putting a 72 team field together uh yeah. and you know at the very least just appreciate that work you don't have to like it but don't don't yeah. don't just make it you know that, that uh it was a stupid exercise to begin with yeah and i think part of it is just change like people hate change oh, i yeah. hate change I, I my aversion to change is really at a high level the gate the great jennifer rooney will say hey we should change and i'm already out i'm already a nay vote as she said the c word i'm out so i get that perspective but for this to your point joe it's fun please read it give real feedback. You know, the, um, you know, I got great feedback from Tom Reardon today, who's the SID at UNCW, where he just said, Hey, like, how would this affect the, how crazy the summer has become for coaches when you talk about the portal and renewal deadlines and the draft. And so that was fun to talk through. Kendall brought up a great point. Like, Hey, I actually don't know if more home teams means more money because we are selling tournament passes for, um, the regional. And, and I feel like I was able to refute that. I think I actually now, instead of selling one weekend pass, you're selling three weekend passes and it'd be more money, I think. But anyway. I, yeah, I am. Um, my, my thing, and, and then we can we can move on. Although I think it's really interesting and worth the discussion. But my thing is, because I've been asked this on radio too. I mean, because it, talk about expanding the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments has been in the in the in the air. And so um, naturally it kind of comes up where people say, well, what about baseball? And my response has always been like, I'm a soft yes. Um, mostly yeah. because I've seen the ideas you've, even before you published this, like you've been talking to me and Aaron and Kendall and everybody about this for a couple of years now. Um, so I, I'm aware of what it could be and I like that. So I'm a soft yes on it. But my, my next part is I'm less concerned about the number and kind of more concerned about something we, we frankly can't really control, which is how we get to that number which yeah. is like, look, I, I make a living covering SEC baseball, um, so I don't necessarily want to bite the hand that feeds, but I'm not that interested in having 14 SEC teams in the field Yes, if we go to 72 or even 12 probably, yep. right? Um, I'm more interested in having a second team from a very good mid-major. I'm not saying take two from every mid-major. That's not obviously not mathematically possible, mm -hmm. but taking a second team from a, a league that's like the SOCON that's usually pretty good and never gets a second team, right? Mm -hmm that's kind of what I'm more interested in. And I'm just a little worried that it won't be that. And it's a hard job for the selection committee. We talk about that every year, but so I'm, I'm less concerned with the how many and more of the, how we arrive yeah. at, at that number. And that's just something that we're never going to be able to legislate because no. it's, it's humans in the room choosing a field. Yeah. Very fair. And I, a spoiler alert, I did address that concern. Cause that's a, that's a real concern. Like, Hey, we expand the field and we're only the richer, only getting richer. And what was the point? Like, that's a real concern. And, you know, when I looked back on past instances, you know, I was able to address that. The, um, the other, the other um, and then we will definitely move on. The other thing that was funny on Twitter was people saying, it's fine as it is, just fix the selection process. That is actually not a real 
answer. That is, <laughs> that is someone saying to me, it's fine. Just grow hair and improve your eyesight. Like that's, <laughs> it's not, that's, 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 you're chasing a ghost. If you think that switching from RPI to net fixes the problem, I should say, that's my opinion that changing the metric and the criteria I think that's a fool's errand, but whatever. Yeah, reasonable also, minds can disagree. It's also a bit of a contradiction. It's fine, semicolon, <laughs> but here's what needs to be fixed. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Just get the 64 teams right. Okay. That's good. Right. Helpful. Sure. Helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love that. All right, Joe. Let's get to the um let's get to the uh the, the matters at hand. You are famous for rankings in my in my mind. So <laughs> um I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for an impromptu ranking. So you and you and your wife went to the Cape. What were your favorite things about the trip? Could be baseball, could be non-baseball. For some of us who are college baseball fans who are contemplating a trip to the Cape for the summer of 2024, what were your favorite things? Yeah, first of all, just blanket, get out there if you can. It, like I get that it's yes. hard to get to. You got to fly into Boston or Providence and then drive it. There actually is an airport in Hyannis that you can fly to, but it's, you know, you're going to have to connect probably in Boston or New York anyway. So it's like, well, you know, which would you prefer? But, um, so it's tough to get out there. I know it's not cheap to get there, but if you, if you can do it, if you've got the means and the time, I highly recommend it. Um, I'll give you a little bit of baseball, a little bit of not, we'll start with the not baseball, uh, lobster rolls. Uh, I mean, and, and like, you can't swing a cat without hitting a good lobster roll out there. You know, it's just, (laughs) Like I am, I am at this point, 35 to 40% lobster roll, uh, at least nice. right now for another God week or you. so, probably. Uh, so that was great. Uh, yeah. probably pushed the upper levels of mercury in my system for the amount of seafood I had. So it's all fixable. that was, uh, that was good, but it's just, it, it's the, it's, it's an ideal summer, like temperature. The temperatures are just really good. If you're someone like me who look, I'm, I am, I'm pretty fair skinned, uh, as you are as well runes. So like the beach can be a bit of a hazard. For, yeah. for folks like us and that still is the case still sunblock up I, st- I still wear a long sleeve like fishing shirt on the beach to protect Love my that. arms and shoulders yeah. and back but, but just in terms of like you're also not putting on top of that at the cape just the oppressive heat and humidity just super pleasant you know i, I like a good walk on the beach i'm more of a walk on the beach versus a sit on the beach kind of guy mm-hmm. um you know great great for that the water's nice and cool so when you when it is warm you can you can use the water to cool off so that that's obviously great baseball wise you know and i said this because i i just I, i'm in the middle of reading our, our, your friend of mine ryan mcgee's uh new book uh welcome to the circus of baseball love that i have that on my kindle it's uh yeah it's, uh, it's on deck it's incredible and I, I hope i'm not bungling that name it's something along those lines i think it's welcome to the circus of baseball but and you know he kind of talks wistfully and and nostalgically about the soul of minor league baseball, especially as it was in the nineties. Um, because as, as minor league baseball has become bigger business, it's lost a little bit of that charm. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that a lot of that old soul of minor league baseball still exists on the Cape. Now it's a little different. They're not doing wacky in between innings, you know, sideshow kind of stuff, but they're all of them are played in public parks. There's no admission. Um, they do, look for donations at the door because they do run the league on donations, Mm -hmm. but it's super laid back. It's super community focused. I mean, the people who live in these towns, whether seasonally or year round, love their team. Um, And gosh, darn it. They want their teams to win. Like they, it is not just like, Hey, let's go out here and develop some players and have some fun. Like they, (laughs) they're, they're riding umpires out here in the Cape God league. Um, So there is an intensity that I did not fully expect going out there. But it's just it, it's so it's it's really really community focused. The, the the fans love their love their teams, and uh, you know that they really treat the players. I mean, the players are really treated like royalty out there. Like it's not the it's not plush. Like they're not getting you know uh, you know they're not all getting sports cars to drive out there. They're riding school buses, quite frankly, yeah. Uh, yeah. to and from games. But you know the, the way the community wraps their arms around the players, you, you can tell the players appreciate it and. Um, especially the players who are there kind of from wire to wire, you know, um, which is increasingly rare in today's, today's climate. But, um, so it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's super low key, you know, there's no, you know, you don't have to get there super early or like go through, you know, security and bag check and, you know, have to find a seat and like, it's just all very relaxed. And, um, I, I had a, I had a blast frankly. And, and I, I'm not, 
I'm I'm not someone who is cynical and jaded. Like I I think you and I runes are aligned in the fact that we still have have managed to keep our enthusiasm for the game, especially the mm-hmm. college game. But but this I felt like was something I needed in terms of like something new and exciting in college baseball that I'd not experienced. Yeah. I was obviously I followed the Cape, but I'd never been out there. So this this really kind of got me a little re-energized, frankly. Um, again, I don't think that I needed it, but whether or not I needed it, I got it right. And so I just, I can't recommend it enough. Like it's also, look, I just talked about how expensive it is to go to the Cape free baseball game, you know, and a lot, (laughs) and a lot of these ballparks also have, you know, there's, there was one Brewster, for example, Uh, you know, I went to games at Brewster and there's a big giant playground right behind the baseball field. So you just let those kiddos, nice. you know, get all that energy out while, you know, you watch the game and you know, it, it's just um, something for everybody kind of just a cool deal. And, you know, again, you, you can't beat it with the, the temperatures and the sea breeze and, and all that jazz. So I'm, I, I'm rambling now, but I think you can tell in my rambling that it was a, a cool experience and I, I, I would like others to be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And you're right. The summertime's a tough time. Cause you know, like you're dealing with the draft and that gives me angst. It's that's one of those things I can't get out of my bloodstream from coaching is just being anxious around the draft when I have zero skin in the game, you know, the NIL and the transfer portal is, you know, it's, those are not the most glorious headlines in our sport. And so you're right. Like the Cape, I, I'm, I'm definitely need to do that next summer. Go ahead. I, well, I was, I was just going to say, I, one thing I was, I was going to bring up and that feels like a natural segue is, is one thing I'm, interested in with the cape and we'll be monitoring and, and I, I think the league is a, is aware of this i don't think they're they're you know have their heads in the sand with this is that they're because of the later draft and because of the transfer portal being such a thing right smack dab in the middle of the cape season mm. they're in, in an interesting spot where i think they're trying to figure out what they need and want to be moving forward because yeah. historically and this is for the listeners, not for, for, I'm not telling runes anything he doesn't know. Like typically a Cape player is a guy who just finished his second year going into his, his draft year, basically. And so it is kind of their, if you, if you will, it's kind of their debut as prospects, right? So in theory, the best guys go out to the Cape going into their third season. And it's kind of like, Hey, here, basically it's signaling, Hey, here are the guys you need to know for this next upcoming draft. Well, and you know, and as the summer goes on, some of those players go home and they bring in some local guys. And there's always been a smattering of fourth year guys in the league. It's not totally that, but it's, it used to be mostly that. And now you see a lot before the draft because the Cape season starts while like super regionals are going on. Mm -hmm. And so you see a lot of guys early on the Cape who are draft eligible now, because that's a good showcase for those guys to maybe increase their stock to pop a little bit. If maybe if you were nicked up during the spring season, it gives you a chance to show you're healthy. Like, but then once the draft happens, those teams that went heavy on those players, well, now their roster is absolutely depleted. And then you have other teams that are kind of more focused on let's do the traditional Cape player going into their third year. And I look at a team like Harwich where, you know, the top of their lineup is Seaver King and Kalen Culpepper and Ethan Anderson and Devin Obi. <laughs> and Love like that. all those guys are raking this summer. And like they look like a juggernaut in their lineup. And it's largely because they have guys going into their third year, you know, two of which spent a lot of time with Team USA this summer. Um, so there's like an imbalance in the way yep. the teams are constructed, which gives it kind of a weird feel. And then secondarily, and this is something that they just don't have any control over, is that just generally speaking runes we're in kind of a climate where fewer and fewer players are actually going out for traditional summer ball. And I think you see it, especially on the mound where, you know, I've got a list of some guys that impressed me on the Cape and the collegiate national team. It's not a lot of arms. Um, And that's understandable, right? People are especially aggressive now in protecting arms. And so that's kind of always been a thing that certain arms just didn't go out in the summer, but it's, it's less and less. And there's, on the Cape, especially the national team is one thing, but on the Cape, especially you're just, that's more of a stage for talented guys who haven't taken that big jump yet to start to take that jump more so than established star pitchers kind of showing off and, and showing out ahead of their, their draft year. So anyway, long story short. And then, Oh, by the way, there is pressure to win there, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, right? that, that's pressure. not just, that's not just the townies, you know, like yep. wanting their team to win. Like that's one thing, but like 
the people associated with those teams have a lot of pride in winning games in the Cape. Like it is a real league to those people and in general. So it's also not just like you can say, Hey, you know what? No big deal. Like this, this team just wasn't very good because we had a bunch of guys get drafted. Well, that's not really going to fly. No. So they're, they're really kind of trying to serve a whole bunch of masters and it'll look, it's still, I mean, they're doing, they're doing fine. Like (laughs) I'm not worried about it, but it's just, it is an interesting place. They find themselves is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, like what, like what you said that, Joe, like at the beginning, it's kind of like they're trying to, you know, the, the, so much has changed around the Cape. Now they have to change kind of how they fit into this new, you know, thunderstorm that is the summer of college baseball. Let me ask you a couple follow-up questions on the Cape. So uh, we'll save players for maybe next week when Fitzy comes back, because he's actually on the Cape right now. So why don't we save the player discussion? Although I do have one player I want to ask you about. Um Seaver King, Wake Forest has had a phenomenal offseason. And Seaver King is a kid that played at Wingate, Division II, made the national team. Like, I can't remember the last time a Division II player made the national team. No offense. Like, Division II's got excellent baseball, but just don't see that. Um, and he's gonna, he and Chase Burns are both transferring into Wake. Did you get a look at Seaver King, or what do, you, what do you got on him so far? I did, yeah. I saw him. I saw him actually with the collegiate national team first, um, and then I saw him for one game. He just got back to the Cape as I was leaving, so I saw him for one game. But his first game back with Harwich, the first three at bats, just line drive, line drive, line drive, all with ninety-eight plus exit velos. And and look for for those who might not be impressed by that, these these are wood bats, right? So like, yeah, different animal. In the spring, you see one tens all over the place. Like that's this is not that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so he just comes in there just really raking you know, his average was one of the highest in the Cape when he first left. It is a real bat speed, real line drive stroke. Frankly, Wake could have really used him in the postseason. Right. <laughs> you know, like, because a swing like his in Omaha, when the ball's just not flying like it was early in that tournament, his swing would have cut through that with, with line drives. And so he's also an interesting guy defensively, twitchy, you know, fast twitch athlete, He's an at a shortstop level athlete, but I'm, I think he might be a better fit at third base if, if I had to, to really peg it. Uh, but he could play second, third, or short. So Wake's going to have a lot of flexibility with him to put him yeah. wherever they wherever they want him. And he's just a, a really cool story. He's a guy who you mentioned he went to, to Wingate, and he's from Athens, Georgia. And so I actually messaged somebody around the, the Georgia program. was like, how'd this guy get out of town? And he's like, well, he was you know, 5'10", 160 coming out of high school. And then he got to Wingate and grew two inches and put on 25 pounds. And, you know, and then this off season, it just so happens that, you know, maybe he would have gone to Georgia, but he was in the portal when they were switching coaches. (laughs) And so, you know, maybe he would have gone to Wake Forest regardless, but Georgia really wasn't in a position to, to get him basically. Um, But he's just a guy who was a classic late bloomer, but he's a really, really fun player super good athlete like he is he's a legit dude and i think he's a great hitter for that wake forest ballpark he's not a traditional power guy but in that ballpark especially when the wind's going he's going to square enough balls up you know he'll be i think he'll be a double digit home run guy just because he's going to find the barrel a lot yeah and that's a recruiting profile that can slip right like right right infielder who's probably not a shortstop undersized not a plus runner like how much scholarship can you really put in that kid but then as you to your point as you get to know the kid and then he gets reps you're like okay that was a special player he just had a fairly ambiguous profile hey everyone we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's next level supermom. 
From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, Joe, let me ask you this. So one of the fun things has been we've got the Cape game streaming on the D1 baseball website, and I've been using it as background noise. Now, I'm not plugged in as much as I need to, but I think you have done a better job than me. So not all streams are created equal, right? Like we all we're, we're, we're often critical of the Stanford stream when it comes to that type of stuff. So so give me your best three streams on the Cape as I start. To, I, I got to lock myself in here more. Yeah, no, it's fair. Um, it, th- so I've watched a little bit of probably all of them at this point, I think. And, th- and they've all been at their best. They're very good. Now, understand, this is for the listeners, understand that Cape can be windy. A lot yeah. of times they're working with cameras that are, you know, rigged up not as sturdily as they are at, at, at college ballparks and certainly obviously big league ballparks because, again, these are public parks they're, they're playing these games at. They don't have a lot of media rigging, if you will. Um, I'll go Kutuit. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually just watching one of their games earlier. The great Steven Shock is apparently probably by now has been on that broadcast because he is also yeah. on the Cape right now. Love it. Uh, Katuit alum, 2018 pitching MVP of the Cape Cod League. Wow. Go um, yeah. So Katuit is a good one. Like their broadcast team, really good broadcast team. And that's the other thing here, too, is that these kids that are doing those broadcasts are, I mean, this is basically their Cape Cod League, too. Yeah, like the best of the best of the best in broadcasting and college broadcasting come to the Cape. So yeah, I think Mike you know, Monaco did games on the Cape. Mike Monaco, point. yep, yep, Cape alum. So you know your favorite broadcaster probably either in baseball probably either did the Cape or wanted to when he was yep. in college, and whether Amen. or not they they got there. Um, I'll also go Born mm-hmm. is a good one, and Orleans. Okay, love is it. Is another is another good one. Um, again, they're all like, you really can't go wrong, but there, there are some that are, those are three that I've watched that I, that I really, really like. And the difference maker for me is those three have multiple camera angles. Yeah. Like, so you'll get the, the center field cam, but then you'll also get the behind home plate cam. And also, you know, as a batter steps to the plate, you'll get the camera on his open side, you know, when he's, when he's at the, at at the plate. So you you do get those kind of multiple and not only is that just kind of nice, but it it keeps, it keeps it from looking monotonous. Right. So it's easier to stay focused on the game when you're getting dynamic, dynamic looks. And, and they also, those have good graphics. Not all the, not all the streams have graphic packages. There's mm-hmm. do. So that's yep. a nice little, nice little add on. I will say one thing and we'll wrap the Cape. They, the, on their website, when you go to the scoreboard, they have a really cool thing called like game live or game. It's like a version of game changer where you can follow the names I've, I've done. Um, our good friend, Peter Flaherty from baseball America, PD three sticks, if you will. Um, Colin Deaver, 2023 award winner, right. Omaha Press Box Rookie of the Year. Um, but he he helped me find that website. That's very helpful for following along as well. Hey, so Joe, you have a really cool thing going on SEC Extra where you, you're doing transfer portal updates. And, you know, obviously the SEC is the center of the universe when it comes to transfers and the high profile transfers. So, you know, we're not going to talk about Chase Burns. and But, you know, like here's some names I read in your most recent, your July 18th piece um was it july 18th does that sound right yep, whatever yesterday. Was yeah it yesterday one, yep. okay gosh is it that late in july already holy heck indeed, indeed um, it is so parks harbor was in the portal I, I, I just i'm gonna bring up christian little i thought that's interesting he has to go back to lsu because he's already transferred once Derek fabian florida auburn hey old miss luke hill asu andrew fisher duke jackson ross fau old miss has really gotten after it in the portal mac bingham going from arizona to lsu that's a good get for those guys so, so that, that's just kind of what I rattled off, but you kind of off, you're not kind of, you authored it, Joe, what, what are some things that have stuck out to you as you've done the, the transfer portal updates? I think the, the, the biggest thing is that last year we kind of knew by now that, cause I think Skeens committed to LSU right about now it might be, have been a little bit later a year ago, but, but right around this time, by this point we knew, Hey, this LSU class is head and shoulders better than any other class we've got on the board. 
This year has been a little bit different, and that's going to be an interesting thing moving forward because I think LSU understands that. I think Jay Johnson understands that, hey, last year we kind of caught some people flat-footed by being because there were there were a lot of programs that kind of took a wait and see approach on the portal, yep. which is understandable, but also means those teams kind of got boat raced yep. <laughs> when it came to uh shout out to Jake Mintz. Um got <laughs> boat raced when it came to uh yeah. the portal, right? So um this year has been different. Like nobody is getting caught flat footed. Now, whether or not you really want to be involved in it is a whole other deal, but nobody's nobody's ambivalent about yeah. the portal right now. So what that has led to, I think, is that I'm not really sure, even within the SEC, who you would say has, and I have my trusty little notes here to make sure I don't miss anything, but who stands out as the best class? I think you could make an argument for, you know, Tennessee might have two of the best handful of players in Billy Amick and Cannon Peebles, right? Mm -hmm. So I think you could make a case there. Um, LSU has Justin Lohr from Xavier, great reliever. Gage Jump, high-end pitcher from UCLA that's been injured. Cade Woods, electric reliever from Alabama. You mentioned Mac Bingham. Like Georgia has the biggest class. They don't have the star power, but they have the biggest class. They've been really aggressive. Um, but I think Ole Miss is probably the one that has stood out to me most. Um, yep. You know, I think they obviously with with what happened last year, they kind of knew they needed a hard reset on the roster, and it was a veteran club. That's the hard part too, is that they weren't good last year, and it's not like they were really young. They were actually pretty old, and so they brought in Andrew Fisher from from Duke. Lou Killers in a state, Liam Doyle from Coastal Carolina, big left-handed arm. Ooh, that's Jackson a good Ross. Yeah, Jackson Ross, FAU, Trayson Hughes from Mercer. And then a name that most people don't know that I actually really like, a guy named Kyler Carmack from Arkansas State, who's, you know, up to mid-90s with his fastball with with one of the supposedly, I've not seen a lot of it live. I've seen some video, but supposedly one of the best changeups in the country. So, you know, he's he's a guy who who I think could be a real difference maker for them considering how frankly, how poor their pitching was for, for most of last year. So if you made me choose which is the best SEC transfer class, I'm probably going Ole Miss. But my big picture thought is that there's really not a number one with a bullet in the league. And I think that's more interesting, certainly. Um, and then if you talk about nationally, it's hard to beat what Wake has done. You mentioned yeah. Wake being a player here, and they're not a school that I would have pegged two or three years ago as being a big player in the transfer portal. It's a academic private school so getting players in is, is sometimes a sticking point it's expensive so unless guys are on big scholarships or come from you know moneyed backgrounds or they're able to put some nil money towards these players um which is is probably part of it but it, it's just not a school that fits the profile of the teams that you would think would be big in the in the transfer portal and yet here they are with you know chase burns and Seaver king who you could argue might be the, the two biggest prizes in the portal this, this season. And at least maybe until Luke Coleman commits because he's yeah. kind of the one guy, he's the one guy still left out there. LSU and Braden Montgomery State, too, right? He's still... Braden Montgomery. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's fascinating. It's so much chaos in this thing, Joe. Like I, I think like I, I it's what, what, what you said a few minutes ago really struck me where like I, I'm going to the Cape next summer. Cause I really needed this this summer. Like I, I catch myself caught up in the, chaos and the swirl of the transfer portal and nil and like i deleted twitter off my phone the other day for the first time in my life because i was just like i got i need a break like this is mm. there's so much angst around it and but i think what's really interesting about this whole thing is you know nil like it's just not normalized yet right like that's i think the part that's unsettling you know I, I think about NIL could be used a lot of different ways. Like you don't have to use NIL to chase transfers. I think what if there's a program out there when you said Wake Forest, this struck me like, what if there's a program out there where you say, Hey, I'm going to invest NIL into my upperclassmen that I want to keep. And I'm going to release scholarships into our freshman class, incoming classes, such that if my competitors are still stuck at 11.7, NIL gets me to 15.7. And I create an advantage in my own neighborhood. Now, I'm not talking about the SEC right now. The SEC is like, this is the AL East, right? Like, you're, this is a, it's a different stratosphere. But the, the SEC is wild. Look at Braden Montgomery. Mississippi State's program is so strong. And, of course, they won the national title a couple of years ago. And they went to three straight Omahas a couple of years ago. They've got, like, you know, as John Cohen and his wife Nell would say, they've got the Carnegie Hall of college baseball. I mean, that facility is it's, I could argue it's a better place to play than for the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, like the dude is that amazing that they've finished 13th and 14th in this league. They've missed Hoover two years in a row, and they are very much in play for the best transfer in the country in Braden Montgomery. I mean, 
that may sound like I'm criticizing Mississippi State. I don't like that's a fact. Like they finished 13th and 14th. That's factual. But my opinion of their program is not I'm not alone there. Like it's so the allure is so great that, you know, Brain Montgomery could be going from a program that's been to three straight Omaha's to Mississippi State. I mean, that that is that speaks volumes about how attractive your place is. Yeah, no doubt. Like it's it's a great point because they they've they've been on a number of of these these high end guys. They they're mm-hmm. they're playing with the with the big boys, and so it does show that, um, you know, I think it's also heartening that some of these players and and whoever's advising them are taking a wider view of it, which I think is good. You know, yeah. not just based on the results of of last year. I, I would like you talk about nil. One of the things that and this is true in all sports. I, you know, happens things feathers get ruffled in college football about this more often than not. Look, NIL is part of the deal. And, and I understand that there's kind of this weird thing where it's not supposed to be a recruiting inducement, but like nobody can really tell you exactly how it's not right. So let's set that aside. I would just like people to kind of be a little more honest about it or just be a little more, just be, just be upfront about it to where, and I understand the, you know, coaches that are doing the recruiting don't, always I believe them when they say they don't always know exactly what's happening from like an NIL perspective because they're mm-hmm. not necessarily in charge of that so I'm not calling them liars but what I'm saying is like you do know what you're working with it is your job to kind of know what you're working with from a recruiting standpoint and so coaches are very they kind of almost shy away from talking about the role that NIL plays unless of course they're complaining <laughs> about right, other right, programs right. but I would just like coaches to be like we are an incredibly we are fortunate to have a community around our program that really supports us and wants us to win and wants us, wants the players to be happy here. So yeah, we've got NIL money. And if you want some of it, come here. Right. That's legal. Like, mm-hmm. and again, I understand you don't want to get an NCAA trouble because they will try to thread the needle of telling you that, well, that's a recruiting inducement. Okay. I, I do understand that. Yeah. But I think there is a tactful way you can say it of like, look, our players are well supported here. Like we're, yep. and you can couch it in. We are very fortunate to be in the position we're in that we have, you know, business partners and individuals who in our collective or whatever, who want to support our players and make sure they have everything they need. And if you want to be a part of that, you know, the closest we get is Jay Johnson in Omaha saying, you know, this is the best place for transfers to be, which I loved be Mm -hmm. open about it. Um, because this is the game now, like it just is whether you like it or not. And and Lord knows you and I don't like everything about it. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's the game we're playing, like, don't, I just don't think there should be any shame in saying like, Hey, yeah, we have NIL money to spend hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Yeah. I, I think I just, I want to, I, I, I'm, I'm curious to learn more about good ideas. How do we normalize it? Like is one year free agency a good thing? But you know, again, like I think the NCA Kendall pointed this out to me, the NCA has taken a hard line on the one-time transfer. Like it's the one-time transfer. And like I said, like my personal opinion is that Christian little, going back to LSU is not what's best for his career. Like I, this is me, Mike Rooney talking, you know, not the littles, obviously, you know, that this is just some talking head offering an opinion. I would personally rather see Christian little go to a mid-major program where, you know, there's not the same pressure to win that exists at LSU where he's guaranteed to get a hundred innings if he's healthy and just, I think he's so talented. I would like to see him. I'm thinking of Josh Hatcher when he went from Mississippi State to Kennesaw State and really just getting out of the pressure enabled him to thrive. But I'm also not in favor of just like one-time transfer is chaotic. If we make it transfer as much as you want, then I feel like that just gets, it's already feels a little untenable. So again, I'm trying to reserve judgment because I feel like it hasn't normalized yet. Like, you know, Hey, Willie Bloomquist, I coached. I love Willie B. His comments in the press conference the other day are getting a lot of heat right now. And, uh, you know, I, I would encourage anyone to watch that press conference because it's really a fascinating reflection and conversation. And, and you know, the truth is the context around Willie's comment is he, he was critical of Luke Hill, which is kind of a, you know, that's a party foul. But the question Willie was asked was, hey, Luke Hill is transferring. Are you worried that the rest of your veterans are going to transfer? And you could tell Willie was that triggered him. He was offended by that, you know, and so he then was critical of Luke Hill, which is regrettable. But all that said, Joe, like I I'm trying to calm myself down and just let it normalize, you know, like, hey, Luke Hill's a Baton Rouge kid. He went to Tempe, Arizona. He played really well as a freshman. 
you know, Willie is a really smart guy, Willie Bloomquist. Luke Hill transferring back to where he's from was always on the table. Let's call a fish a fish, right? Like that's, you know, that that's that's not some like out of left field surprise. Now, is it disappointing for Arizona State? Of course, right? Like nobody likes to lose a good player that they really invested in. But again, like I, I need to let that normalize. I need to let the, those types of things play out before I pull the fire alarm, I think. Yeah, I, 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 and I think there's there's evidence to your point, Runes, because I'm with you about waiting for it to normalize. I think there is some evidence we're heading that direction. Uh, you know, I think there was a little less chaos this time around in the portal. It feels chaotic, and it still yeah. is. Like Luke Hill, the eleventh hour, like okay, yeah, because the know, chaos Rain- the headlines. Like that's what we're focused right. on. Yes, right. But there were there were. I mean, you heard the same whispers I heard. There were all kinds of players, and this is going to happen every year, even after mm-hmm. it normalizes. There were all kinds of players that got bandied about is like, I've heard this guy's going in the portal and a, a pretty small percentage of them actually ended up happening. Yes. Um, and we, you know, to be fair, li- I'm sorry, listeners, we are not going to name those names, but right. it's out there. Believe me when yeah. I tell you it's out there. And most of those didn't happen. And so whether that's because the information was bad, I think that's probably true in some cases, whether it was because teams did a good job re-recruiting their roster. I'm sure that's true in some cases, some teams looked under the couch cushions and probably found some NIL money, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I do think there was just slightly, it was still busy. We we still had some surprising transfers. But if you look at a lot of the situations where we had big name transfers, right? I mean, a couple of them are, you know, Colby Shelton, Cade Woods, the Alabama guys. Okay, well, they had a coaching change, you yeah. know, like, and okay, Jason Jackson's still on the staff, but you know, those guys didn't necessarily sign up to play for Rob Vaughn or, or even Jason Jackson. Right. Um, so there are some, you could really kind of pick out that are like, well, those are always situations that are going to invite transfers. You know, Parks Harbor thought he was probably, probably thought he was going to get drafted. Didn't. And now he's in a situation. Well, you can't really play first base because Charlie Condon's there and you're not really an outfielder. And, you know, so you're going to go back to third base, which is not your best position. You know, it's just like there are a lot of factors involved here. But my big picture thing is that I do think we've seen some evidence it's heading the direction of normalizing. And I think that's good. I'm with you. Um, you know, I think last year, just last year was so chaotic. I mean, it was and I'll, this is a you and I cannot answer this question. So I probably shouldn't even put it out there. But it's it's intriguing to me is that I wonder if so much of the worry about the transfer portal and the hand-wringing about the transfer portal stems from the fact that the first like matter of days after last year's, the first real, real crazy transfer portal opened, Tommy White was in the portal, mm. right? Like, and not just a guy who was really good because that was true, but a guy who was a sensation, right? I mean, like he, what he did early in his freshman year at NC State with whatever it was, eight bombs in eight games or yeah, five incredible. games. I forget what it was. Bill Simmons that, was tweeting about it. Right. That that went got past the college baseball bubble. It got past the baseball Twitter bubble. It went mm-hmm. into the stratosphere. And so for a guy that productive and that famous to go in and, and oh, by the way, leaving a program that had been in Omaha just two years prior, um, I think that kind of rocked everybody a little bit. And I yeah. I just do wonder if even if he goes in the portal later. But the fact that he was like literally one of the first notable names to go in, I, I do wonder if that maybe set a tone that panicked us maybe more so than we should have been. And again, we'll never know because we we, we can't live out the other scenario. But yeah. I do find that to kind of an interesting what if. Like what if he hadn't gone in the portal? Would we feel differently about it? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, because it's and, – and there's like I'm, I'm going to call myself on this – out on this. It's a little hypocritical because – like I have a real job, you had a real job previous to coming to D, you know, D1 and Baseball America. And in my real job, I don't, there's no transfer portal, right? Like I'm in medical sales. If I want to hear what a competitor has to say, I do it under, you know, I, I do it in the shadows, right? Like I don't put myself in the portal. I talk to them, I hear them out. Now I'm not doing that because I love my day job and I've been there 11 years that that would be ridiculous. But just that is that in case up. your bosses are listening? Yes, so is that what you're doing there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah. So they already know about my 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 baseball, uh, you know, obsession. So so but the point is, I would do it in the shadows instead of entering in the transfer portal. And is that even any better? I don't know. I will say this. My one concern 
and this is not fair for me to say, but I'm just going to put it out there. Like NC State's baseball fan base, like I, I'm concerned for them. Like two years in a row, their best player, or you know, like maybe you know, in the conversation of best player, bolts for another program. Do we risk like there's one? There's a couple scenarios. Like, do we risk losing that fan base because they're just like, what's the point? Or do they become more loyal to the players that that end up finishing there? I don't know. I don't know what the none of us know the answer to that question either. Um, so I, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, like again, I come back to the word normalizing, taking a breath. Um, you know, we don't know how this is going to play out yet. Yeah, I think that's right. Right on. Yep. yep. Hey, let's finish with this, Joe. So you guys have that that um, new series that snuck up on me, quite honestly, SEC season review, and you're going one team at a time. Tell us about that and tell us your favorite one so far. Yeah, it's just a way. So Mark and I have split the league kind of in half. He's doing seven. I'm doing seven. We went from the teams that finished at the bottom to the teams that are that were at the top. So we're still working through. It. We're about halfway through. Um, it's just basically one final putting a bow on the season that was to kind of wash our hands of it and start to get our minds right for, for 2024. So, you know, we, we, we name a lineup MVP, a pitching staff MVP, a, a turning point moment in the season, a highlight in the season. And then we, we look at what's ahead basically and, and start to, you know, look through the, 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 uh, you know, the into the, into the crystal ball to figure out what's, what's coming next. My favorite one so far, because it's a fascinating, fascinating team and they were all season is Kentucky. That's the, mm. of the ones we published, that's the one that's most fascinating to me because here's the thing. We didn't know what to make of them in this past season, right? I mean, they won four SEC series and hosted a regional. Like, it's just a weird, like, it just feels yeah. like they talk about threading the needle. Like they threaded the most narrow path to hosting a regional that could have possibly been threaded. They, their non-conference schedule, they, you know, came up triple sevens on basically on the slot machine. They, won some big games at the right times that South Carolina sweep late in the season came at exactly the right time. It was right before South Carolina really kind of torpedoed. Right. Um, so they, they did that. And that's a credit to them. That's not taking anything away. And they bring back a lot of interesting pieces. So they're going to be bring back. I'm scrolling to it now, at least on paper, Devin Burks at catcher, Amelian Petre at second grant Smith at shortstop, like super oh, underrated so defensive good. shortstop, by so the way, good. like he is, oh. Like he, to me, he's better than Ryan Ritter was, but Ryan Ritter, I feel like got a little more love because he, I think he, I think Ryan Ritter was flashier. Flashy, I think Grant yeah. Smith is steadier. Like yeah. he's just, every ball to him is just an automatic out. I tell, I'll tell so, I think both of us will take both of them, by the way, like yes and yes. yes 100%, you're yeah. right. But Grant Smith is the auto out. Like if it's hit to yes. him, you don't need to run the first you're out. Right. Precisely. Um, you know, Nolan McCarthy, Ryan Waldschmidt in the outfield, Ruben church, like a 20th year senior, uh, wow. You know, Ryan McCoy didn't have the breakout that people thought he would, but he's swinging it better in the Cape right now. Um, so his breakout year might be coming along. And then on the mound, uh, Mason Moore, the relief ace, Zach Lee, Travis Smith, who's probably actually the best arm on the team, Ryan Hagano, Jackson Novi. They've got another good portal class coming in. And yet, I can't help but feel like this team might actually be better talent-wise in 2024 but the SEC record could easily be worse. Yeah, that's you always know? in play. Yep. And that's that's just life in the SEC by and large. But but I, I do just wonder if like last year they kind of caught a little bit of lightning in the bottle with a lot of their transfers just kind of really, you know, Gillum and and um, Jackson Gray and obviously Waldschmidt. But, you know, and maybe their hit rate isn't quite as good this time around. And, and, and you know, maybe that's part of it. But there's also a scenario, right, where if their player development hits – you know, is it crazy to think they could be a, they hosted last year. Is it crazy yeah. to think they could be a top eight? I don't think it's crazy. I, no. I'm not betting on it, but that's a pretty veteran team they're bringing back and maybe they've turned a corner. So there's a, it feels to me like there is a very wide range of outcomes for that club. And so that's been the most fascinating season review for me to work through because I still don't hundred percent know what to make of the season. They had fantastic season that unmitigated success, but in terms of how they got there. And then I, 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 we'll be fascinated to see what they do in 2024 because I'd believe just about anything, honestly. Yep. And they had a coaching change. So if I'm not, Will Coggin is going to go with Wes Johnson to Georgia. Does that sound right to you? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Will Coggin is, is, is out. 
or moved yep. on. Yeah. Oh, and wow, yep. their new recruiting coordinator is Austin Cousineau. How about that? Austin Dan Roselle yeah. has done a great job there. So that's yeah, good yeah. fill in by Minge right there. That's well done. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's a good staff. Like I think Dan Roselle was a good and inspired pitching coach hire just because you know he he had worked at East Carolina and the type yeah. of arms that he's working with at Kentucky aren't that different. Now they're more talented, generally speaking, but at East Carolina, you're not, you're not getting with some exceptions, but you're not getting the, you know, the, the kid who the, the draftable kid out of high school, you're turning a raw, you know, a, a piece of raw clay into, into a sculpture by the time he's done. And, you know, Kentucky kind of has to play that game too, right? They'll, they'll get some high end guys. I mean, Ryan Hagen, I was one of those guys coming out of high school. They'll get those guys, but more often than not, you're, you're working with some guys you're looking to mold some guys who are pretty raw. And so I think he's, He's a he's a good pitching coach for that specific scenario. Yeah, and you know the proof is in the pudding. They have yeah they really had an incredible year. So good stuff, Jose. I needed this. This was good therapy for Coach Rooney. Thank you for that. For the listeners, um, save thirty when you go to get a subscription. Check out. Type in save thirty and old coupon Kendall will get you thirty percent off. It's got to be an annual subscription. That's D one baseball. That is, um, that's SEC Extra. If you are ready to turn the page on 2023 and get excited about the 2024 season, um, I'm in the same boat. We're in this together. So get a subscription, save 30 at checkout. We'll save you 30%. If you're watching us on YouTube, please hit subscribe. Um, that is very helpful for us. And uh, more podcasts. We're, we're trying to do more podcasts, more quicker podcasts. <laughs> or quicker uh, podcasts in higher quantity. Joe and David Seifert and I have one scheduled coming up in the next couple of days to go over the college national team hitters because we did the one on the pitchers. When Fitzy comes back from the Cape, we'll get we'll get um, an update on that. And Kendall will get us an update on the Klein Texas Bengals and the great Stone Mason Jar Rogers. We have yeah. a great picture in our chat today of Kendall with Mason's helmet on, which is just glorious. So um, I love that. Joseph, appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Ruins, happy to do it. We finally, you know, we the wheat has been separated from the chaff. You and I finally had a chance to just uh, just the two of us and really, really chop it up. So th this is what the people have been wanting. I just know it. Yes, that's right. Hashtag chop it up. So that is it. Hey, everybody, have a great week, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.